that I was given. Um, the way I decided to approach this is, is I'm going to kind of touch on a whole bunch of things just kind of lightly rather than going into one thing kind of in depth. So hopefully everyone will at least find at least some nugget in there that they kind of find interesting and then they can kind of explore more in more in depth on their own. Um, so what I want to do is I want to start with Scripture. I'm going to start with the, the Romans 1.20 passage that you already heard read just to kind of justify why you're having to listen to a physicist on, on a Sunday morning instead of one of Bob's wonderful sermons. Um, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. And kind of putting this passage in context, what, what's happening is, is Paul is kind of laying out the case that all men are sinners and we all need uh, Jesus. And what he's saying here is it doesn't matter even if you haven't been to church, even if you haven't heard anything about God, God's nature should be evident from his creation around us. Okay, and so this first part of the talk, what I want to do is just hit real lightly on three different things that I've learned uh, in my study of physics kind of looking at nature. Okay, um, The first one is something that seems maybe kind of obvious to us because it's something that we kind of take for granted now. And that's this fact that the universe even obeys physical laws at all. Okay, we kind of take it for granted that science works. We have all this technology, you know, and that's wonderful. Um, what I like to kind of contrast it with is, you know, if you look at other religions, say back to like Greek and Roman mythology. Um, you know, I'm not any expert on that subject, but like probably all of you, I had to study it in high school, read all these myths and stuff. And basically my take is you have all these gods that are just kind of these petty, jealous beings that are just kind of bickering with each other, fighting with each other. And that causes a lot of hurt for the, the mortals around them, right? I mean, these guys just kind of do stuff on a whim. And that drastically affects, you know, the people around them, okay? And I think, in my inexpert opinion, one of the, the reasons why this may have been is that when the Greeks and Romans looked at the world around them, what they saw was a chaotic world. They didn't understand why it would rain one day and they'd have sun the next. They didn't understand why even it would be cold half the year and warm the other half the year, right? Um, but now we understand that the universe really is you know, an organized place. There are these patterns. There are these scientific laws that the, the world obeys. Okay? Um, and I think this really goes well with what we see of the God in the Bible. The God in the Bible is a just God. He has set out laws, and he sticks with those laws. He doesn't just arbitrarily say, well, I'm going to smite you today just for kicks and giggles. You know? um, I mean, it's just amazing. This, this God is so you know, sticking to these laws that when he wanted to forgive us of our sin, he didn't just say, well, I made these laws, I can repeal them. He said, no, I'm going to take on human form, I'm going to suffer on the cross, and I'm going to fulfill those laws, okay? And I, I just find it's very comforting because any time in my life where I think of, okay, God, you're not being fair, you're not being just, I can just look and look at the physical laws around us and see, well, gosh, those are so immutable. I can't deny that gravity works. I can't deny that you know, whatever, the Doppler effect, whatever your favorite physical law is that, that you like to look to for comfort, I can't deny that that, that works, right? Um, in the same way, if God is going to stick to his physical laws, how much more is he going to stick to those physical, to those spiritual laws and, and be a just God? Okay, so that's kind of point number one. Um, that the second thing I look at is, is just um, how much greater God is than us. I mean, we look at nature and it kind of gives us, gosh, I'm losing everything here. It gives us uh, um, just a greater appreciation for how much greater he is than us, okay? And I'm sure we've all had that experience, or most of us at least, where you're out in nature and you look at, say, the mountains, the Grand Canyon, uh, the stars in the sky, and you're just struck with, gosh, the creator of all this is really awesome. 
Um, and I think in my experience that, that that appreciation is even heightened if you kind of start looking into what are those laws behind that? What actually is, is governing that? Um, kind of the analogy I like to think of is, you know, I can sit back and I can watch an NFL game. I can look at those players and say, wow, they're bigger, they're faster, and they're stronger than I am. Aren't they impressive? But if you took me and dropped me down and I actually had to play a game with those guys, I think it would kind of be drilled into me in a much more definite way exactly how much bigger, faster, and stronger they were than I am, right? Um, as, you know, big a guy as I am. Um, well, I think it's kind of the same way with, with nature. You know, we can look back and say, wow, and nature's just amazing. But when you start to grapple with some of those laws and you just see how complex, how intricate, and how beautiful they are, me, for me anyways, it just gives me a whole new appreciation for just how, well, what a genius God is. Um, okay, so the third point that, that I wanted to talk about here, um, well, it was kind of inspired by Isaiah 55, uh, 8 and 9, which I can just read quickly, you don't need to turn there. Um, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. Um, and one of the things I see in science is that these, these sort of paradoxes always kind of keep creeping up. Um, you know, I don't know how much you guys have studied science, but you have things like, well, light seems to be both a particle and a wave and, and other crazy things like that. And I'm going to get into an example in more detail in the, the second part of this talk. Um, but these paradoxes keep, keeping up, keep creeping up. And the resolution usually lies in the fact that our, our view of the universe is very limited. Um, you know, in special relativity, it deals with how things behave when you're moving very fast, close to the speed of light, which in our everyday experience, none of us moves anywhere near the speed of light. So, so the world is much different when you're moving close to the speed of light than it is in our everyday experience. Likewise, quantum mechanics tells us that if you look at things on a very small scale, the universe is just a very different place from what we experience in our everyday life. Okay, and again, I'm going to get into a specific example in the second part. Um, but I think this, this ties in spiritually is that we, we run into these paradoxes when we look at the Bible as well. Uh, for instance, the Trinity, right? How can God be three and also be one? Um, you know, another example is, you know, free will predestination. How can we have free will and God is also predestining, you know, the, the universe, right? Um, another classic example that philosophers have struggled with for ages is, you know, how can an infinitely loving and infinitely powerful God allow sin and suffering and pain in, in this world, right? These are things that to our minds don't always make sense. And what I would like to, I mean, the way I tend to think of this is that, well, maybe it's just like in physics. You know, we study these things that don't make sense, but it's really just because I have this limited perspective. I don't travel near the speed of light. I'm not the size of an atom. So the, the reality of the universe is much different from what I get from my very narrow experience. And I would like to think that if I could step back and see the universe from God's perspective, you know, that maybe some of these things that seem like paradoxes really aren't, really aren't paradoxes, that they can still be true, um, even if I don't necessarily understand it, you know, and I don't always get the opportunity to step back and be God. Well, I mean, I never get the opportunity to step back and be God. Um, but, you know, nevertheless, I can have that faith that, well, God is, is stepping back and being God, and he can see those sorts of things, okay? Um, so what we're going to do now is we're going to be transitioning to a time of worship, I believe, and what I want to do is kind of leave you as we're transitioning is just to, to maybe think about for a second maybe a time when you've encountered a paradox like this, where um, you know, it could be some theological quandary you've pondered. It could be something personal where you thought, you know, how could God have allowed this in my life if he loves me? 
Um, and it could be something that maybe after time you step back and you've kind of seen the solution, you can kind of see maybe some of the order and the chaos. Maybe it could be something that you've never really resolved in your mind, but, and you just kind of have to, to have that, that step of faith. But maybe just, just try to take this time and think of, of an example in, in, in your own life. Okay. There we go. Thank you. Part I'm really excited about to get to talk about physics here. Um, so I'm going to be talking about special relativity, and you know, obviously I can't, you know, don't expect to understand special relativity in this few few minute talk, right? I mean, it's something that takes years to, to to really understand here, right? So um, the first few slides are a bit technical, um, you know, so just kind of bear with me on that, and hopefully you can get as much as you can. But but the 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 idea is just hopefully you can just get a sense of of just kind of the awesomeness of God and just, just his transcendence, really. So, like I said, these slides are a bit technical. I guess if you want to go to the next slide. Okay, this, this is a ball. Okay, so any, any questions up to this point? Okay, good. Uh, next slide, please. Okay, so now imagine that I can throw this ball at, at 90 miles an hour. Okay, a little bit of a stretch, I know, but just, just for the sake of the, the example. Throw this ball at 90 miles an hour. Okay, so far, so good. Uh, next slide, please. Okay. Now, for the sake of science, let's say, for whatever reason, I'm riding on a train car, this train car is going over this way, and I throw this ball at 90 miles an hour, so it's moving away from me at 90 miles per hour, right? Well, if this train car is moving 100 miles per hour, right, someone on the side of the road is going to see that ball moving not just 90 miles an hour, but at 190 miles per hour, right? Because I'm moving along, so to you all there, the ball is going to look like it's moving that much faster, right? Okay. so this, this, this should make some intuitive sense. You know, this, this kind of jives with everyday experience. Like I said, with special relativity, things work differently when things start moving close to the speed of light. Okay? So if you go to the next slide. Okay, so what we're going to do now is instead of thinking of me throwing a ball, we're going to pretend I'm holding a flashlight here. Okay? Now, light moves ridiculously fast. It's, you know, nearly 300 million meters every second. So really fast, so fast you don't re- usually notice it moving. Okay? Well, what we would expect is... You know, just as with the ball, I'm moving along here. The light is moving away from me, you know, 300 million meters per second. You, on the side of the road, you would expect that, okay, you would see the light moving 300 million meters per second plus 100 miles per hour, right? To you, the light should be moving faster than it's moving to me. Okay, well, to make a very long story short, that's not what happens. And this has been confirmed with experiment. What actually happens is I see the light moving at 300 million meters per second. You also see the light moving at 300 million meters per second. Okay, we both see the light moving at the same speed. This would be like me throwing that ball, and even though I'm moving after the ball, I see it moving the exact same speed that you do. Okay, and it doesn't matter. I could be on that train moving 99% of the speed of light. I'm still going to see that light moving away from me at 300 million meters per second. You'll see it at 300 million meters per second. Okay, um, this, is, this is an example of one of those paradoxes. It doesn't make sense. It's different from our experience with the ball that, that we're throwing. Okay, and real quick, I'm kind of resolved it this a little bit. I mean, what, what's going on here is that, you know, if we think about if we wanted to time this light to see how fast it's running, right? We'd whip out our stopwatch and time it just like, you know, run on the track or, 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 or whatever. Um, well, in our everyday experience, we'd think, well, it doesn't matter who does the timing. It doesn't matter if you do the timing. It doesn't matter if I do the timing. The stopwatches should agree. But it turns out that they won't agree, 
Okay, it turns out that in order for this, this paradox to be resolved, in order for light to move the same speed for both of us, our watches are going to be moving at different speeds. Okay, it's kind of a principle of special relativity that moving clocks run slow. I'm, I'm moving here. My stopwatch is going to be running slower than your stopwatch. Okay, as I'm walking, I'm actually aging more slowly than you all are. Okay, um, it's not something that, that we usually notice, really, because I'm moving so much less than the speed of light. But, you know, 10 years from now, when we're living on the, the moon and Mars and all that, and we have spaceships traveling at the speed of light, this will be kind of everyday kind of common sense that things moving fast, they age more slowly than, than, than things that are not moving as fast. Okay. Um, and just in case that made sense to some of you all, I'll throw in one more little twist here to, to confuse things a bit. Okay, so I'm moving, I'm aging more slowly than you, right? So if I look at you, it would make sense if I see you aging more quickly than me, right? Well, there's another principle of special relativity that says, you know, you say you're stationary and I'm moving. Well, I have just as much right to say, no, I'm the one that's stationary and you all are moving that way, okay? So from my point of view, you guys are the ones that are moving, so it should be your clocks that are running slow. Okay, and it turns out this is exactly what happens. If I'm moving, you look at me, I'm aging more slowly than you. If I look at you, I say, no, you're aging more slowly than I am. Okay, now this is something that I wouldn't expect to make sense to any of you unless you've studied special relativity, and I'm not going to have time to, to resolve that paradox. That's just something for you to, to, to mull over uh, when you're trying to get to sleep tonight. Um, but anyways, um, you know, just, just to kind of show you, we do run to these paradoxes in, in the world, and we can see that we need to take back and not just say, well, gosh, that's just crazy, it doesn't work. We need to have the humility to say, well, maybe there's something I don't understand. And, and I would suggest that maybe some of these paradoxes we see with God, uh, you know, we, we see things that, well, God, you just can't do it that way. Well, maybe we need to have the humility to step back and say, well, maybe I'm just not seeing the whole picture here. Um, kind of one more image I want to leave you with is uh, this idea that in special relativity, we can kind of see a hint of it here, that space and time are, are interlinked. Okay, time's not some universal, just flows. The way time flows depends on how we're moving through space. Okay, I'm moving, I'm aging more slowly than you all. Um, you know, the, the two are inseparable. Okay, it turns out that in special relativity, the best way to think about time is it's just another direction out there. Um, you know, we're, we can move in space, and we're just all kind of stuck just moving through time at more or less the same rate. Okay, um, now this gets a little bit confusing to think about because we already have a three-dimensional universe, we add time, that's four dimensions, and our brains just aren't wired to think in four dimensions. So kind of an easier way to think about it, if we pretend the universe is just one-dimensional, right? So say, you know, this is the universe, we just have one dimension, we can move in back and forth. Time would be another dimension, so the whole universe is just kind of moving up through time. Okay, if that makes sense. So, you know, you could think of the whole universe as maybe just a wall. Okay, I mean, it could be infinitely wide, infinitely tall, we don't know. You know, maybe it's infinite in space, maybe it's infinite in time. I mean, evidence would suggest not, but you know, whatever. Um, we just say the whole universe is a wall. Well, the idea is that, you know, God is a creator of this universe, so he existed before the universe existed, right? Which means that God would be kind of outside of our space and time, right? Before space existed, time couldn't exist either because the two are interlocked. Um, so, so God has to exist kind of outside of our normal space and time that we see, right? So the way God would view the universe would almost be like us standing back and viewing that wall, I mean, the whole universe is just there, space and time. He's in some other dimension that we just can't really comprehend. And, you know, you can kind of take a step back and look at the universe like that. So just as if I look at the bottom of the wall, I can look at the top of the wall. It doesn't really matter. I can look anywhere I want on that wall. 
that's kind of the same way that God would view the past and the future, okay? Which I find a very comforting thought. It's not like God's sitting here doing his calculations thinking, well, okay, if this works, this works, this works, the future will work out just great and, and everything will be fine. For him, the future is, you know, just as clear as the present. He can just look, well, what's happening in the future? Well, it's just right up there. Um, you know, I mean, the whole universe is just kind of created almost at once and God sort of alter time or whatever you want to call it, I guess. Um, but anyways, I, I, just, I just find this just kind of a real neat image to keep in my mind and, and a neat way of looking at, at God. Um, so anyways, I'm, I'm just about out of time, um, but really I just want this to kind of be the beginning of the discussion, right? And I think Bob's going to talk at the end about kind of some ways we can continue this discussion. I mean, feel free to grab me after this service or any other time. I guarantee I can talk about physics longer than you can listen to it. Um, <laughs> And I'm also going to be, if anyone wants to join me for lunch later after the service, feel free and we can talk about any physics questions you've always had and been afraid to ask. So um, with that, I guess we'll move on to the next thing here. Thank you, Eric. Um, as you can tell, we haven't had a great resolution of any questions today. <laughs> any, not a lot of, not as many answers as we have new questions, and that's really what we wanted to do. Um, we want our appetites to be whetted to um, just God and um, His creation, and questions that we can ask, questions that we can have, and just how looking at more of the intricacies of His creation and what He has done, what He has made, and how it all works, just can totally lead us to Him. Um, in new ways, and so hope that your appetite is being whetted a little bit. Um, and I think just in, from Eric talking and thinking how vast and expansive our universe is, how detailed and just confusing everything is, can make you feel kind of insignificant. Um, it's so big, it's so miraculous and, and marvelous, and we're just this tiny little thing, you know, here on Earth, which is such a small part of the universe anyway, but um, we want to turn that around really, though, and think we're not insignificant. It can show us how significant we really are to God. Um, as we read through Scripture, how he talks about us, his creation, as humans, along with the rest of his creation, um, just to think that that is significance, not insignificance, and um, just another thing to ponder there. Um, I have a quote from C.S. Lewis that I want to read. Um, he says, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. And um, as we think about and look at our universe, um, we can take that quote and see, not just by looking at the universe, um, I see it, but I can see, see everything through it and see God through it especially. We're going to watch a video um, that is going to take a look at our universe and how, how large it is. Um, please excuse, there, there are captions at the bottom of the um, video as it goes along. That's a great music to listen to as we're watching it. But there's some captions, and this video is made by a person who is still working on his grasp of the English language. So there are some spelling errors and some grammar that is not, but the video was just great, um, and we needed to use it in spite of that. So please excuse that. Try not to pay attention to his, his grammar and his spelling. Um, but um, just put that aside and observe some of the wonders of our universe.